You're listening to the Food Freedom Podcast, hosted by me, Dylan Murphy, Registered Dietitian Nutritionist. Food Freedom Podcast explores the topics of intuitive eating, mindset, and body respect to help you create a lifestyle of lasting food freedom. We believe it's possible to feel confident in your food choices and connected to your body. And here on the Food Freedom Podcast, we will show you how. I am the owner of Free Method Nutrition, a nutrition coaching practice empowering women to break up with diet culture by teaching them how to trust, respect, and feel safe in their bodies. We welcome all foods over here from kale salads to queso and everything in between. Let's dive in. This episode of Food Freedom Podcast is sponsored by our Free Method Recipe Book. It's time that you have a way to create flavor-packed meals that you enjoy that also align with your goal of food freedom. This recipe book is designed to support your intuitive eating journey so you can gain confidence in the kitchen. Complete with recipes that emphasize gentle nutrition, you'll find delicious and simple recipes that allow you to win back your time. Head to freemethodnutrition.com slash recipe book to get yours today. All right. Well, welcome back to another episode of Food Freedom Podcast. Today, I am joined by Brie Campos. She is a licensed mental health counselor based in New Jersey, and she is a body image educator and the founder of Body Image with Brie, and she is passionate about all things body image and practicing through a health at every size lens and intuitive eating lens. So Brie, welcome to the show. I am so excited for today's conversation. Thank you so much for having me here. Yes. So I would love if you took a moment just to introduce yourself to our audience for people who may or may not know you. I know I just kind of gave a very, very brief overview of who you are, but if you could tell us just a little bit more about you, that'd be great. Yeah. So I always call myself an accidental entrepreneur. I did not know that body image work would also be body image employment. And it all started from my lived experience. I am a mental health counselor and I got my start in my internship at an eating disorder clinic and I was the intern. So I did a lot of the groups and every time the girls in my group would be like, we want to do body image. So I'd scurry back to my supervisor and be like, they want to do body image. And I would get responses like body image is the last piece to come. And, you know, we right now we're just focusing on weight restoration or food maintenance. And I began to notice the dissonance of, well, how are we going to get people to eat food if their fear is connected to what it will do to their body and that their body is going to change. And how, how do we better prepare them for that? And so I would read through all of the books that they had at the center and I would be like, this is all garbage. Like I wouldn't even do this stuff. It would be like, just look in the mirror and tell yourself three things you love about yourself. And I I would Mm. roll my eyes reading it being like, yeah, that's not advice. I don't know what that is, but it's garbage. And so through my own lived experience, plus my clinical knowledge, uh, Body Image with Brie was born. And it literally started as an Instagram page because I was learning all of this stuff 
simultaneously, I had done years of therapy on my own body image and I learned about health at every size and everything just shifted for me. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to talk about this. So yeah. in an effort not to annoy all of my existing Instagram friends, I was like, let me start Instagram. <laughs> let, me, let me just talk about it. And I never realized how needed the things I talk about are uh, yeah. in this space. So yeah, that's, that's me. I love hearing that. And it is so, so needed. I see with so many people, whether it's diets, eating disorders, somewhere in between, like so often the root of everything is body image of not feeling safe in their body or, you know, trauma that's related to their body comments related to their body. So doing that work is so important. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's so many different, you know, facets of body image work. And I think, you know, from like an individual level, we're probably not going to start at the body trauma yeah, <laughs> and be like, oh yeah, this is why this is the way it is. But one of the things I encourage my clients to do is can we get curious as to, mm-hmm. huh, that doesn't seem like an appropriate response. So for instance, you know, a year ago when the pandemic started, you know, we went from, I went from working in person to predominantly working online. So I bought mm-hmm. me a nice cute little office chair from Amazon and it had arms and I picked a chair that I knew was going to pick, was going to be okay for my weight limit. Never once considered, would it also be okay for my width? Yeah. And chair would like dig into the sides of me mm-hmm. and I started to feel bad. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, that's interesting. Yeah. That's new. Yeah. <laughs> and what was happening was it wasn't just that I didn't fit in the chair. There was also a story mm-hmm. I was telling myself about not fitting in the chair. Mm-hmm. So probably connected to some trauma. We didn't even get there. We just focused on why is this uncomfortable and what story I'm telling myself. Which is so good. And it's like, you're touching the surface knowing there's so much deeper, but even envisioning, like if that was an experience, one of your clients had, if you were to just immediately dig into like, you know, the trauma that maybe is related to like, that could lead someone running the other way of like, this is too hard. I don't want to talk about this. Or alternatively of just, you know, bypassing the grief and being like, oh, but it's okay. Cause you know, you're worthy of love and Mm -hmm. acceptance and blah, blah, blah. And like all the eye roll things where you're like, yeah, "Yeah, I get this, but also why is this so triggering to me? Mm. And so this is one of the things I do when I work with providers is teaching them how to, how do we hold space and Mm. validate someone's experience without bypassing grief? That's so good. Cause I think it is easy I notice this myself as a provider, like when you can tell, and really even outside of body image, but I notice it really with body image work. If someone's feeling uncomfortable in their body, you want to immediately try and fix it of like your body's worth, like everything you just said, but then we bypass the grief, the, what they're actually feeling in the moment. That's so good. Yeah. And this is, I mean, there's no judgment at all. Like when, Mm -hmm. when providers or people do this, it's like, I often talk about this concept of body grief because Mm -hmm. I don't think we spend enough time there. And Mm -hmm. if you think about grief in real life, we usually think about someone passing away. Yeah. And if you can think of it like this of, okay, what words can you say to someone who's lost someone that makes it better? Mm. And the truth is, is there's nothing. There's legitimately nothing you can say to make it better. So the only thing you can do is show up for that person and say, Mm. I don't have words. 
I don't think any of the words I have right now are going to be good. I need you to know that I'm here, that your pain is not too big for me. Mm -hmm. And so that's part of the work around body image that I really focus on for people of Mm -hmm. the meanest thoughts you have in your head. They're not too big for me because I've probably thought them myself. Yeah. And just letting them sit with that, like sit with those thoughts instead of here's how you fix them. Here's how you get rid of them. And if you follow me, then you hear me talk about sitting in the sack, yeah. which is what that is like. Yeah. Of like, we're not going to run away from them. I'm not going to silver line it for you and try to find mm-hmm. a reframe for you. We're going to sit there and we're going to try to understand what needs to be met with this grief. And, and I know before we, you know, we hopped on the call, we were talking about all the different, there's several different aspects of body image. And so there's often this misconception that body image is merely just the way that you see yourself. Mm. But it can't be it because then it would be like, okay, well then just change the way that your body looks and your body image will change. Mm. And that's a lie from diet culture. Yeah. Right? So it's an easy lie to to believe because, well, you'll just feel confident and you'll feel all these things. And as someone Mm. with lived experience of anytime my body was smaller, maybe I liked how I looked in pictures Mm-hmm. That didn't mean that I liked myself better. Yes. So I would love for you to dive into that more then, like helping people expand what body image truly is. Right. And that's why, and I want you to just think about that as yourself of like, yeah. when you think about what is body image? Uh, yeah. I know for many people, it's like, oh, my brain is blank. I don't know. I don't know what body image is. And so that's okay. Right. And this is why this is why I'm an accidental entrepreneur is because (laughs) I want to create language around body image so that we actually know what we're talking about. And so body image is not just the way that you see yourself. It's also the way that you feel about the way you look, Mm. the thoughts and beliefs that you hold about the way that you look and the behaviors that are connected to the way you look. Now, I did not come up with that myself. I borrowed that from uh, confidentbody.net and they talk about the four aspects of body image. And with that, this is why changing your body does not change your body image. Because if the way that you see yourself influences the way that you feel about yourself, that's where I think most people experience body image issues. So let me give you an example. I had just shared recently on my Instagram at the time this is being recorded about some fat phobia that I've experienced in everyday life, just, you know, existing. And the example was, I'll share not in too much detail, so not trigger anyone. Yeah. But somebody made a comment about my body while I was in a comparable position. Mm. So if you want to know more, you can go to my Instagram and find the live I did on fat phobia. And it didn't make me feel bad that this person did that to me. Mm -hmm. And the reason is because I no longer only see myself through the way that I look. Mm. If for whatever reason it were to trigger me of, wow, this person made this comment and it was rude and unwarranted and it hurt, Mm -hmm. then I would ask or I would assess to myself of what's the story you're telling yourself? Mm. Why did that hurt so much? And it goes beyond just how you view yourself. But why do I care what other people think of me as well? Mm. I'll give another example. I had an incredible opportunity to partner with Athleta. Mm-hmm. They let me try on their plus size clothes. And I didn't love the photos from the photo shoot. I, I did not love them. The clothes were comfortable. The shoot was amazing. 
I didn't realize that all the parts of my body looked that way because I don't think I've ever seen my body in yeah. 3D in that way. And so it was, I was taken aback, mm. but I didn't also feel bad that I didn't like the way that I looked. Mm. I Because I know that we are our own harshest critic, Yeah, whether it comes to our bodies, whether it comes to, I don't even know, like how good of we are at doing household chores. I, I'm thinking that because I have like three dishes on my desk. I'm like, mm, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not good at that. And yes. were anyone else or a client, I'd be like, well, let's be compassionate, mm. blah, blah, blah. But for myself, mm, I'm like, yeah, but yeah. I should do better. <laughs> and so that need to be perfect or to mm. do the best that's going to come up even when looking at a picture. The difference yeah. is, is I no longer put all of my eggs in that basket. And so it's like the story that you've told yourself in the past, like that's not there anymore. Like the deeper, yeah, like behind, like, I don't like the way I look in this picture. You're kind of ending at that almost versus in the past, it may have been like, I don't like the way I look in this picture. And that means X, Y, Z, or like, I'm telling myself this story. People aren't going to love me, like that sort of thing. Uh, so, and that's, so that's the cognition. That's the thoughts and beliefs. So if I saw myself in those pictures and I didn't like the way that I looked because the way that I looked, I believed would make me less mm. lovable. That's what's motivating the self-hatred because we want to stop. It's literally yeah. defense mechanism, right? We want to stop the potential to be unloved. So when you work on those core beliefs that I know that I am deeply loved in this world by so many people, I still believe that there will be people who don't love me and not because of my body. I don't like that. I really think <laughs> I'm, I'm like one of those people. I think it's from the office where she goes, I really think yeah. if they gave me a chance, like I would, they would love me. Yeah. And that was me. And so I have a post-it note um, where this far more impactful than positive mm. affirmations, but impactful reframes is that wound of, I will be less loved. Mm. And so I've reframed it to, you are not mm. for everyone and you will mm. be loved. That both things can exist yeah. simultaneously. And so working on the core mm. beliefs, having impactful reframes to those core beliefs, those wounds that have existed, change the way that I feel about the way that I look mm. about myself, which means that when I see myself, even if I don't like what I see, which I will tell you is my own internalized criticism mm -hmm. and fat phobia, it no longer means that I will be less, I will receive less love. Yeah. So what, gosh, that's so good. What helps someone, and I know this is like a very, like there's not just a, a straightforward answer to this question I'm about to ask, but like what helps someone get to that place of detaching I guess in a sense, like how they perceive their body or like the way, yeah, the way they see their body and then detaching that story they tell themselves, whether it's like, I'll be less love or, or whatever that story may be. So I actually just did this on my Instagram the other day. I did the ABCs of getting unstuck mm -hmm. with body image. Mm -hmm. And so one of those, the B is mm -hmm. the building awareness. We can't change what we don't know. And mm -hmm. so oftentimes I think when people have that discomfort, they want to shove that thought down and be like, no, 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 no. We can't think that. And then what happens, right, is that we continue mm, yeah. to shove things under the rug. And it's almost like I love the analogy of the beach ball, right? Because it's mm -hmm. like the beach ball starts popping up and we're like, no, get down there. And then yeah. what happens is we get accosted when the ball pops out of the, yeah. the water and we're like, 
oh my God, I'm having the worst body image day ever. Mm. But if every time that started to bubble up, we take the ball out and we say, okay, Mm. do I have capacity to explore this right now? And Mm. if the answer is no, if truly no, if my cup is too full and I don't have the time, the energy, and the effort to explore that thought, Mm -hmm. can I put it aside to explore later Mm. with actual intent of going back to it? And do I have a safe and informed provider to make sure that I can explore that with? Do I have a community of people who can sit with me in that suck without silver lining it or bringing it back to diet culture? And if you can work through it, can we assess it without judgment? Can Mm. we be curious without expectation? And this is why I often refer to body image like an archaeological dig Mm. rather than a journey. Because journey denotes that there's a place of arrival, whereas Mm. an archaeological dig is we don't know what we're going to find, but do we have the tools to explore it? Wow. I love that. Like even just reframing it journey to like a dig. That's so good. Gosh, everything you're, I'm like soaking in all this stuff. And then I'm like, oh, now I have to ask her a question again. Like this is, gosh, this is so, so, so good. And I just, yeah, I think one thing that's just really resonating with me the most, and I feel like is going to be a big takeaway for me, even just in this conversation is like how to like sit in that suck. Cause I like what you said of like, do I have the space to work through this right now? And I think as a provider and working with a client, I would hope they would be like, yeah, let's dig into that. But that's like me putting my own agenda on them. (laughs) Like, let's do it. Like we can do it. We're recognizing, I mean, gosh, especially in like the past year and everything else that people have been going through, like we, our cups are oftentimes very overflowing Mm -hmm. and body image work is really, really hard. So sometimes people don't have the capacity to go through it right then Mm -hmm. and being able to just sit with that instead of like, okay, well, here's a few things you can do while you wait. Like here's, here's what you can do right now. I use a lot of analogies. Yeah. Oh, me too. I love it. Yeah. And just to make it more tangible, but Mm -hmm. I often describe body grief like this feeling. So do you remember Mm -hmm. when you were a kid and you would dive into the pool to touch the floor of the pool Mm -hmm. and then you start to go back up and you're like, oh, it's a good thing I'm going back up because I don't know if I have any air left. Yeah. And then you think you're hitting the surface and then you realize, oh, I don't know if I can curse, but oh, crap. (laughs) We are not at the surface yet. And this is, uh, I think we're going to die. And then in that experience, and then <gasps> finally you hit the surface and you can breathe again. Mm, mm-hmm. A lot of times exploring our own body grief is that time between we think we're going to die and relief. It that's is such, not yeah, that's so good. comfortable. I, I don't know where anybody got this idea that like distressful things can be like non-distressful. They can be less distressful it's going to suck. Yeah. And knowing that's okay. And that's part of the process, which is still messy. Is it worth Mm. it? Like, you know, there are things where, you know, in my personal life last year, I was in too much body distress. Mm. I didn't go to the beach. I did not also want to be outside in the heat, having to walk Mm. when I was already uncomfortable with my body and the body pain I was experiencing. Mm -hmm. This year, I'm going into summer much differently. I have some tools in my tool belt that I didn't have last time. One being I have a PT. So I know that, okay, if I have body pain, I know that I can go back to him and he will help me maneuver through Mm -hmm. that. Me getting winded now is not as jarring as it was last year 
when I was the fear, right. That was happening for me was I was losing my strength. Yeah. And as a fat person, I identified as a good fatty because mm. I was, I was fat, but at least I was strong. Mm. And so when the pandemic hit and I lost a lot of that strength, there was a fear of now I'm going to be judged in a different mm. way because I no longer have this identity piece. And while simultaneously also just missing having that, that was a piece of, of identity. I have been exercising formally since uh, as long as I can remember. Yeah. And what I realized was this was nothing I had worked through. Mm. I didn't have permission to rest. I didn't even know what that meant, that it was still always the, and I'm going to get back on it. Yeah. And it's like, well, what if, what if I don't? Mm is this body still good? Mm. Yeah. And it's, it's like, you're being stripped of things that you'd used in the past that it kind of even goes back to that beach ball analogy that kind of helped keep that beach ball below the surface. And then when it like explodes to the top is when sometimes the first time you're actually sitting with like, Oh wow. Like, I don't like to rest. I don't like to, you know, I don't feel as comfortable in my body as I thought I did. Yeah. And I find that a lot of clients will scapegoat their body. Mm meaning that they place all of the blame on their body Mm -hmm. of I am uncomfortable and I'm in pain because I'm in a larger body. That if I just didn't have, if I just wasn't in this body, all of these things wouldn't exist. And here's the thing is maybe that's true. I can tell you when I've taken off the rose colored glasses, Mm -hmm. since I was 16, I really struggled with mobility. I was strong, but I didn't have mobility because I believe because of the aggressive movement that I was doing. Mm -hmm but it was okay in my mind because I was also strong. Mm. And so now it's unlearning and relearning how to move in a way that is not only kind to my body, but that doesn't have compensation, Mm. that I can have that full mobility. And it's hard to unlearn, which is why body image work is hard because your entire life, this has been normal. And now we're telling you, Hey, there's a different way. You don't have to do it that way. And it's hard to unlearn when, you know, we live in a culture that's not, unlearning. That's like feeding us more and more information every day of how to fix your body or how to feel, you know, quote unquote, safe in your body that we know doesn't help, but it it makes that unlearning, I feel like even harder because then there's just more and more things that come up. And then that goes back to the story, right? Because if it's not safe Mm -hmm. to exist in your body, I mean, that to me denotes trauma, Mm -hmm. but if it's, you know, the fear of like, well, I'm going to be loved less, Mm -hmm. but is that true? Is that actually a true thought or is that just a fear that we've been taught? Mm -hmm. And I'll hold that with you of, okay, maybe some people may love you less, but will the people who matter Mm -hmm. love you less or even better, do you love people less? Yeah when their body is different. Mm. And that's a values work right there of really highlighting your own values. Mm. Cause I do. I love that you brought that up with the, like, basically, do you see people differently based on their body size? And what I see with so many of my clients, and I'm sure you see the same thing where they say like, well, no, I don't see other people. Like I know all bodies are good bodies, but not mine. Like, I think it's easy for people to see, and maybe they're saying that, but then there's more beneath that as well. But I, I feel like that's a common thing I hear. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Mm, which is hard. But yeah, value, which that leads into a question I was about to ask you about, like the thoughts and beliefs and and how you brought up core beliefs earlier and values work. Because really a lot of this, it, what you're describing sounds like really coming home to your body and like connecting with your body and connecting to just yourself and your beliefs 
but all of that can be so uncomfortable if, you know, we're depending on a person's personality too. Like if we're uncomfortable with our own like emotions and feelings and beliefs, Mm -hmm. it may be the first time someone's ever even done that type of work. Yeah. So what's the question? I don't even think I really had a question. (laughs) (laughs) It was something about like core beliefs and and values. I feel like there was going to, yeah, I literally, I think I said, yeah, I have a question. And then I just talked. (laughs) I'm telling you everything you're saying, I'm like soaking in like a sponge. And then I'm like, I'm doing this interview. I need to ask a question. (laughs) Well, and I think that I actually think that's such a beautiful, you know, example of there is this language isn't clear yeah. around body image. Yeah. And so because of my lived experience, I was forced to identify, oh, this is why this has changed for mm-hmm. me. Because the way that I feel about my body no longer influences the way that I see myself mm-hmm. or vice versa, that the way that I see myself no longer impacts the way that I feel about myself. Yeah. But how do you put that into a language that the brain can comprehend? And it's, I know, I mean, I can speak for myself as a dietitian and from what even conversations I've had with other dietitians, like we don't talk about body image in school. We don't talk about it like ever. I mean, we don't even talk about, you know, intuitive eating or we talk about how to put people on diets and how to help people lose weight. We don't talk about body image in counseling yeah. either. We barely talk about self-esteem, mm-hmm. which we can't talk about body image unless we yeah. want to talk about self-esteem. Yeah. Because the two are so connected. And so, yeah, it's, and it's just this perpetual of we need to do better because when we know better, we do yeah. better. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, but even I think the question I had back on values and beliefs is like, how does someone begin that? Like, for, because I'm thinking about people listening who are like, okay, this is really resonating with me. Like, I really don't know what my values are or what my core beliefs are, what's important to me. Like, how does someone like begin that journey to connecting to their values? I think it's a great question. And I think that I have a values worksheet. Mm-hmm. I know Psychology Today has a values worksheet. Uh, Brene Brown has a values worksheet where if you just look at a list of values and you highlight what's important to you, you can begin to understand what motivates you in this world. And this is also, we, we talked a little bit off air about the Enneagram. It's one of the reasons I love, I love the Enneagram. Because it, it not only helped me understand how I'm motivated in the world, but how people I love are motivated in mm. the world. Because I'm like, how could we be so different? And I love you so yeah. much. And it's because we have different motivation. But what I will tell you is that even people who are deep in diet culture, when they look at a list of values, I don't think that aesthetics and beauty really are their top value. That maybe their top value is loyalty or belonging. I know for me as a Enneagram two wing type three, a top value for me is uh, helping people. Mm. I love helping others and it gives me a sense of purpose. I think that this is what's so interesting about personalities is that we're all different. We're all motivated differently. Mm. And so if we can begin to understand what makes me tick, who am I, what is important to me? And then it's going deeper of, okay, and, and what's a trauma response? Yeah. Because, right, so if you want to take helping others, that is definitely how I'm motivated in the world. But the way that I saw myself was, well, you are going to be less loved in this world because you're in a fat body. So you need to do what you need to do in order to create love and safety. You need to figure out a way to secure that. 
And so helping actually became a resourceful way to assure self-love. So I have a proclivity for overgiving beyond what I want. I actually had in my therapy session, my, my therapist said to me, she's like, do you want to do that? And I'm, I'm like, I don't even think there's a separation in my brain anymore. Yeah. Like I want to do it because I know the other person wants that. Like it's, it's, that's how ingrained it is for yeah. me. And this is the part of body image that nobody talks about of that was the symptom. That was the, the top soil. But when you get down to it, really the stuff underneath was, okay, well, you think that by being what other people want you to be will secure you love when in actuality, that's not true. Yeah. And so that's the deep work that you need all of the body image tools for. Yeah. It's, it's not about your body. Sometimes it's about your body, but most times that's just an indication. Yeah. It's so much deeper than uh, that. I agree. And even with that analogy of like topsoil, I feel like, you know, the body image or like the, the way you view your body can often be that top and then you dig beneath and it's like, there's so much more there. But we so often just focus on the surface because also there's a million and one things thrown our way to, you know, quote unquote, fix what we think is wrong. Like, oh, well, if I just lose weight, if I just fix this problem, quote unquote problem, then, then everything will get better. But, you know, that's where that cycle that like the hamster wheel, you can't get off because you keep trying and it doesn't work or it works for a little bit and then it doesn't. But really, I think everything you just described with like the values work, and then even digging deeper, like you said, of like your value, you know, cause there's nothing wrong with our values, but then we can like, I don't even know if it's like misuse them, but like what you said, where it's like, okay, I value helping other people, but I know it's easy for me to put that like almost where your cup's overflowing, like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. So then I'm helping other people, but my intention isn't where it should be. Or maybe I need exactly. to say no. I mean, I'm I'm the exact same way. I'm like the queen of saying yes to everything. And then I'm like, I don't even have a second to breathe today. <laughs> like, what am I doing? But it's, if we really dig down, it's like, okay, it's because I, I feel like they're not going to like me if I say no, or, or they need me to do this. Or like, I want to show up for them. Yeah. There's so much there. Yeah. Yeah. And then the fallout of, okay, well, what happens if, if I don't do it? then who's going to do it? And then who's going to, I use this analogy all the time of like plates. Like I just have plates mm -hmm. going and I just, I manage all the plates and I'm always like, oh my God, a plate's going to fall. And what happens in a plate falls? That gives me anxiety yeah. even just thinking about it. I'm like, yes. no plate's <laughs> no. going to fall. No, thank yes. you. I don't even <laughs> want to think about that. And so how, if even from a person-centered language, right? We don't even want to call that maladaptive mm. because it's functional, yeah. because it is how we have learned to survive in this world. And so with that of, if I know that this is my brain and my body have done this for so long and that the easier thing was to just try to focus on controlling my body. So I didn't have to think about all of this. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. yeah. Mm, that's so good. I was going to say too, a little bit of what I was going to say is that intuitive eating and body image work is like dieting in reverse. So when you go on a diet, it's like, okay, you have all these rules and it's like, okay, it's going to be hard, but it'll be worth yeah. it. And then you're doing it. You're like, oh, this is easy. I can do this. And then as you keep going in, you're like, oh my God, this is getting harder and harder and harder. I can't, I can't do this. Whereas the intuitive eating body image way is there are no rules. Yeah you just trust your body and you're like, wait a second, yeah. I need the rules. I need the structure. I need you to tell me what to do. 
And over time, you become familiar with it. You begin to learn, oh, that's, this is where I normally would be judgmental, Mm. but here's where I need to be curious. Okay. What are you telling to me about? What are you saying about it? It's like almost like how you would talk to like a toddler of like, okay, I hear, I hear Mm. you. Tell me what you need. Yeah. I love the way you've just put that because that makes so much sense. And I think that's where people are, I I don't know, I guess it's easier for people to jump to diets because they seem so easy at first, even though, and they've, you know, people who chronically diet know it happens over and over. Like it, it may be easy at first, then it gets hard. And I think that's what can make, you know, intuitive eating and body image work hard for people to step into because I mean, even thinking about values work, like we were talking about, like you're starting this intuitive eating body image journey and your therapist or your dietitian is like, digging into values work. It's like, no, that's not, I know for me as the dietitian, they're like, well, just tell me what to eat and when to eat. And like, that's it. Like, no, no, no. Like you've, you've done that before. That's not what you need. And exactly. And that's exactly what I would say to somebody. I was like, okay, you know, I could, I could give you a meal Mm -hmm. plan, but what are you hoping the meal plan is going to do for you? Are you hoping that it's going to give you a sense of security and safety that you're going to quote unquote be okay, that you can make sure that you know how much you're eating every day? Like that's going to give you peace. No, it's going to give you a false sense of control. And rather than saying, hey, my body is actually really smart. And communicates just like it tells me when I'm tired and I need to go to sleep, just when uh, I need to use the bathroom, it tells me what I need to do then, that we can trust our body. And if you can't, I would start there before you start even working on a meal plan of, can I just trust my body to tell me what it needs? Even if it doesn't seem like a quote unquote need, there has to be that unconditional permission. Yes. I mean, that's such a pivotal starting point. But again, so uncomfortable and so hard. But then, like you said, with that like reverse of dieting, it it does yeah. get easier. But through yeah. doing the work, it's how it gets easier. Like you you don't just exactly. wake up and and it's easy. I would argue, maybe it doesn't get easier, but it gets more familiar. Yeah, I think that's a better way to put it. It's like a it's like a muscle flex, mm-hmm. right? Like the first time you use a muscle, you'd be like are you sure this is supposed to do that? And then when you're like, ooh, like, okay, I know how to do this now. And so I'll even take it away from body image, but let's talk about setting boundaries. It's like my least favorite thing to Uh do. I I told my therapist once, I was like, I almost would prefer to light myself on (laughs) fire than to set a boundary. (laughs) And she said, well, that's, that's vivid. And she said, What she said is maybe we shouldn't focus on the discomfort of setting the boundary, but which is going to be worse, the after of setting the boundary or the after of not. And I was like, Mm. dang it, you got me. You got me good. And and so every time I think about, oh, this is going to suck. This is sitting in the Mm -hmm. suck, right? This is the suck. There is going to be relief. But which is going to offer me more relief? Yeah, that's so good. Because it might not ever get easy. It just will be, yeah, the more relief. I, I love that. We can go back to my my little analogy of the dive, right? If you're deep diving in the pool, if you know, okay, there's going to be a couple of seconds where it's going to feel like I'm going to die yeah. and I'm drowning, yeah. but I've done it before. And I know that, all right, maybe I need to push off the floor more, or maybe I need to take a bigger breath when I go down, which is what I would identify as like those coping yeah. skills of like, okay, do I know how to take care of myself for that 
it will become more familiar. Mm. And even, and this is such a random example that just came to my mind, but of people who like are terrified of needles or like getting shots, it's like, it doesn't really get easier. Like you still probably get no. terrified before every time you have to go to the doctor and get exactly. a shot, but those coping skills, even like you said, or you have that reminder of like, okay, I've survived this before I can survive it again. Like still maybe 10 seconds of being super terrified and uncomfortable, but I've done mm-hmm. it before. Exactly. Mm, that's good. Gosh, Brie, I could literally talk, have this conversation for hours, which I already in my head, I'm like, okay, I need to bring her back. I want to talk more about body. Like, I feel like you've dropped so many just nuggets of wisdom that I'm like, I want to dive like 10 layers deeper into that. But then this would be like a five hour podcast episode and people aren't going to listen that long. I wouldn't, that's, that's a long time. But yes, thank you so, so much for just sharing all your wisdom with us today. I really, really appreciate it. The way I love to end podcast episodes, I love to ask guests what their favorite food memory is (laughs) just as a way of, you know, trying to get back at diet culture who wants to really take away all the memory and the joy and the culture and everything that is in Mm. food. Um, so yeah, I would love to know what is a favorite food memory you have. Wow. That's, that's so powerful. And, uh, as soon as you said it, I was like, yep, I know what it is. When I was a kid, there was this ice cream place in my town and it was called, I think it was called sweet things. Mm -hmm. They closed down before, before we, you know, moved, but we used to take a walk as a family Mm -hmm. and we would always go up on like a Sunday afternoon and we would go for a walk and we'd go to to Sweetums. And I remember what every person in my family would get. And I, to this day, am so indecisive that I'm yes. like, I don't know what I want. <laughs> so I'd get my own. And then my, 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 my parents each would let me have a, a little bit of theirs so that I didn't have to get, you know, three different ice mm-hmm. cream flavors. But I was like, okay, I don't have to choose. I get to, I get to have that. Yes. And it's so interesting that that's a positive food memory because ice cream isn't really a big deal for me. Um, it's, it's not really something that I, I'm, I'm currently lactose intolerant. I don't know when that, that, that fun thing uh, happened, but so ice cream, uh, like there are days where I'm like, Ooh, I would love some ice mm-hmm. cream, but I'm not like a, Ooh, I have to have ice yeah. cream kind of gal. And so it's just so interesting that that was the food that was so normalized. Yeah. That was very special. That was, there was such a good memory around it. So I love that. Yes. activity. Uh, I love that. And I'm the same way with being indecisive. I think about with ice cream. I was at an ice cream place the other day. And since COVID, they haven't been doing samples. And I'm like, how am I supposed to choose? I need. Now as an adult, I'll just get them yes. all. I'm like, I don't know. I'll decide yes. later. <laughs> Can I just get six scoops, one of each, please? And I know that that is, that is the deepest form of privilege. Oh, yeah. But now I'll be like, what are you getting? What are yes. you getting? What are you? Okay. Everybody's getting something yes. different. Can we yes, share? <laughs> please. I just need at least one bite of everyone's to make sure I made the exactly. right choice too. <laughs> Is mine good? <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, Brie, where can people find you if they want to follow along with you, learn more from you? Absolutely. So my, I know you told me, but Mm -hmm. my memory is stinking these days. So I don't know when this is being released, Mm -hmm. but I would say the best place to find me is on Instagram, Body Image with Brie or at Body Image with Brie. Or you can follow me on my website, bodyimagewithbrie.com. 
my offers are going to be changing, but just I'm I, I like I want to assure people to trust me in this process yeah. that they are changing so that they are more accessible mm. to you and that they are better self-care for me. So my signature offer currently is my body grievers group, which I guess I'll announce here is launching for the last time Uh, as a public mm -hmm. offer. So it's not going to be the same moving forward, but I don't want anyone to hear that and be like, Oh no, I need, uh, you know, fear. There will obviously be something in lieu of it, but that will launch sometime July okay. or July, August. Perfect. Yeah. This episode will come out either end of June or early July. So by that Perfect. time. So you'll have time. Yes. You will have time, my uh, friends. Don't worry. Don't even worry. I love that. Yeah. And we'll make sure all <laughs> that is linked in the show notes as well. Cool. Thank you Perfect. so, so much yes. for this opportunity. I've really yeah, enjoyed thank it. Thank you, Bree. Thank you so much for listening to our show. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Food Freedom Podcast. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at Free Method Nutrition for more inspiring content on food freedom, intuitive eating, body respect, and many other things. If you're curious how you can support our podcast and help it to reach more people like you, we would love if you would take a minute to rate and review the show. We drop new episodes every Tuesday, so make sure you subscribe so you always catch our latest conversations. See you next episode. Are you ready to master your mindset and take your health habits to the next level? We created our free method shop with those goals in mind. In our shop, you'll find our Freedom Journal and Elevate Affirmation Cards. Our Freedom Journal is a mindset and gratitude journal that will be the perfect addition to your health and wellness journey. Complete with journal prompts and reflection questions, this journal will help you turn your goals into lasting habits. Each journal page is broken into five sections, affirmations, gratitudes, what you're learning, what you need to let go of, and what you need to hold on to. The perfect addition to our Freedom Journal are our Elevate Affirmation Cards. These affirmation cards come with 31 mantras, prompts, and encouragements to elevate your relationship with food and body. Head to freemethodnutrition.com slash store to order yours today.